How good? Welcome back. Surly Talk Sports back in the crease for another Hassan Friday. Big fizz type of stuff. She's all go, feel like I say it every week, but boy, we've been treated to some top shelf sporting action this week. Gonna be bums on seat stuff. The old couch at Surly Talk Sports HQ is gonna cop a pounding over the next seven days. Of course, off-field chat, gotta get into that as well. Big weekend last weekend. Did the old Friday-Sunday steam-ups, had to set the off, bit of a sabbatical. You need that to kind of recoup and repair rejuvenate and get the fizz levels back high again. Friday night, she was all go, of course. Unfortunately, Harbour went down. We'll touch on that later. Went to the game, though. Got a few Waitakere daiquiris, a couple Darren Frothiers in me. Headed out after that. And then on Sunday, the Better Bear launch. Grouse to see, of course, the Inspired Unemployed. They're bringing their drop over to New Zealand. Lucky enough to get the invite. Crack into a few. Play a bit of bowls grouse stuff and I tell you what she's a bloody easy drop to consume tastes a bit like your summits that type of vibe you can get through about six or seven of them without even realizing definitely a bear for summer so looking forward to that one launching in a couple weeks in terms of this weekend tonight got a bit of an engagement party two of the greats Ezra and Tazza Tanui he dropped the knee down there in Queenstown iconic stuff love at its finest so looking forward to ripping in there rest of the weekend pretty chill to be fair lots of sport to sink the teeth into got a couple NBA fantasy drafts as well so nerves and tensions are high for that one make or break type stuff so looking forward to those in terms of today's show plenty to cover got your rugby league world cup of course gets underway this weekend plenty of 15 man code and woman code as well then the old weekly rap she's chocker block nba gets underway next week we've got the boxing got some grouse ponies racing this weekend as well the t20s then we'll wrap her up with some punts at the TAB, hopefully win you some coin and send you on your ways with a smile on your dial. So without further ado, let's rip in. Producer Shala, ring the bell. Rugby League World Cup gets underway this Sunday. Early doors over there in England. And of course, it's brought to you by our friends at Spark Sport, the only place to watch the Cup live or on demand whenever it suits you, which is great to see. And of course, the legend at Spark, they've come on board with Surly Talk Sports, which is huge fizz. And if you haven't subscribed yet, head along to sparksport.co.nz and check them out. If you're a Spark customer, she's 20 bucks per month. If not, $24.99 per month. She's hardly wallet-breaking stuff. And of course, that unlocks the Rugby League World Cup so you can get bums on seats and get yourself in the mixer. On top of that, there's a free seven-day trial. You beauty, you can get this week for free. And you're not going to want to miss this World Cup because I think she's going to be one of the best that we've seen in a long time. Of course, Samoa stacked, Tonga stacked, England at home in front of the home crowd, and they have a bloody underrated side as well. Aussie, they're always going to be good. They're so good they left two blokes at home with a Dallium and a Clive around their neck. And then the Kiwis, well, the key is in the wee, need I say, 
anymore. But Sunday morning, 2.30am, she kicks off with the first game of the tournament and it's a blockbuster, the home side, England, taking on Samoa. Unfortunately, both these sides, they've named them, but they've done it in a pretty random way with both sides getting behind the old numbers thing. Of course, they do it in the Super League. They love it over there. You get the one jersey number for the tournament, but boy, does it make these team namings pretty scat. And it's fair to say NRL.com has really struggled with the Samoa one. They've got Josh Alloyer at fullback, Spencer Linu in the halves, Jerome Luai at prop. It looks like Samoa named their team in alphabetical order, not in position. So that's throwing off the algorithm. Would love to see it though. Jerome Luai trucking that off the back fence. No doubt there's a few blokes out there that would love to put a shot on him. Spencer Linu in the halves. Jeez, would that dish up a mixed bag. But this first game's going to be huge for me and it should decide who tops their pool. I think England will be too good, but this Samoan team on paper is right up there. Unfortunate though, Samoa didn't play a preseason game last week. England did, of course, putting on 50 of the best and they looked dangerous as well. Dom Young, of course, the Newcastle night swinger, he had a field day, scoring a couple, setting up a few and showing that he can carry over his grouse NRL form. So he's going to be one to watch. Samoa on paper though, for us NRL fans, they would probably go in favourites. When you look through the team, you're Joseph Sawali, all those Penrith Panthers lads. Great to see Chanel Harris-Tavita in the mixer, ripping the mighty Waz. They got the hammer, Junior Polo. Their forward pack is massive, and it appears they tick all the boxes. I'm just weary. Haven't had a game in the saddle. Lots of new combinations. Up against England, home crowd advantage. And those conditions over there, they can be pretty testing. And no doubt the English faithful will turn out in massive numbers. So a huge game first up. Can't wait to watch that one. And that's followed by Aussie taking on Fiji as well. Interesting to note for the Aussies, none of the guys that played in the grand final are playing. So it's probably not quite their full strength side, but it's pretty close to it. And that, of course, means Daly Cherry Evans gets first crack in the seven jersey. Nathan Cleary, he's being kept on ice. Can't see that being the way it plays out, though, long term. Surely Cleary gets the nod, he's won back-to-back premierships, DCE clinging on by the skin of his balls for rep footy, you'd have to think, so surely the people's chin gets the nod over the next few big games, but going to be interesting to watch Aussie go about their work, didn't play last week, Fiji did, got towed up by England, but they were without three of their biggest stars, and Uppy Corusau, Viliami Kikau and Micah Sivo, who should all come back in, their team hasn't been named, but they're without a lot of key players as well. The Saifidi brothers, the Sims boys, Marcelo Montoya, they all pulled out to focus on getting their health ready for NRL season. That's a massive blow. So typically we've seen Fiji as quite a strong side. I think this is going to be their hardest World Cup and they might fall off a little and be replaced by your Samoas, etc. in the hunt for the top four. So I think Aussie could well put on a cricket score. Then your other big game, of course, the one you're probably most interested in, Monday morning, 7.30 a.m. It is the key in the Wii taking on Lebanon. And it sounds weird, but this is probably our hardest pool game, to be fair. The squad, again, hasn't been named. So hopefully, though, Madge rolls out our strongest team because this is probably the biggest hit out we are going to get in pool play. Of course, the other teams, they shouldn't trouble us at all. Jamaica, 
and Ireland. So Lebanon with Mitch Moses, Adam Dewey, Josh Mansour, probably our biggest threat. And I actually think that they should go through and play quarterfinals footy, which is huge for them. Of course, interesting to see the side that Madge rolls out with, especially for me, one area that I'm interested in is that propping combination. When you look through it, your Moses Leota, James Fisher-Harris, boy, did they have some strong performances. But one of them's going to miss out on a starting spot. Jesse Bromwich named Skipper. Then you got Big Nelson off the bench. And in a couple weeks' time, Jared Wauria Hargraves as well. It's going to be a real dogfight to see which four props he rolls out. Fingers crossed though, we name our strongest side and I'm extremely excited to watch the boys rip in, especially after their performance last weekend up against Leeds. Put 72 of the best on them, some strong shifts from players as well. Nelson Asafa Solomona, he was a handful attracting four defenders every time he trucked the nuts. Sebastian Chris scored a hat-trick and might well have played himself into that starting centre role as well. He's a bloody good footballer. Probably wasn't in that jersey for me heading into that game, maybe right on the fringe, but I think now that performance might have been too good to ignore. Ronaldo Mulatalo, a big shift from him as well. He's playing some great code. And then probably the best thing to see, Tommy Luluai going out on a high as skipper of the Kiwis and in the seven jersey. And what a tip of the hat, that old nod of respect from Madge. Played almost 20 games at the top level, crazy to think. When he debuted his first year in the NRL, he was still going up against guys like Gordon Tallis. I think Darren Lockyer was still playing in the halves as well. So it's mental to think that Luluai still going around and playing some good code. And just what a fitting send-off to one of the greats of New Zealand Rugby League, an ex-warrior. He's played for many teams, one of the Kiwis legends. Good on you, Tommy, and happy the boys could keep them at a donut to send you off on the way you deserve. But really excited for that game Monday morning, 7.30 as well. That's bloody good timing. Park up on the couch and rip in that should be a doozy. Then on your Wednesday, another game I'm interested in. Mate Matonga taking on Papua New Guinea. This is probably the other big matchup of the week. Those four key games. And I do think Papua New Guinea are perhaps being pretty underestimated here. They're paying 11 bucks head to head. And I don't expect them to win. We'll get into the tips a bit later on in the TAB section. But in saying that, they're an extremely proud nation. I think they're the only country where rugby league is their national game. And while Tonga, they're a formidable side, especially in that pack. I think the way they play, PNG will really suit that. They love the physical stuff, the rough and tumble. They'll never take a back seat. So I think this could be closer than a lot of people are expecting. That Tonga squad, though, stacked from head to toe and excited to watch them rip in. So it should be a hissing first week of the Rugby League World Cup. It's harder to talk about it without the teams being named, unfortunately. Fingers crossed in the weeks to come, they can get the team sheets out a little earlier so we can dive in, although we will have games to review. So big fizz for that. Remember, tune in, sign up, Spark Sport, get around it. I think, again, this is going to be the best Rugby League World Cup we've seen in a long time. We've got five or six sides that can genuinely contend, and once you get down to finals, knockout footy, she's going to be all go. Of course, we have the potential for a quarter final between Samoa and Tonga 
depending how that England game goes this week. Then we have semi-finals. The Kiwis should be facing the Kangaroos. You're not going to want to miss that. And remember, when you sign up as well, you get a free seven-day trial. So get in amongst it. Then you can watch some T20 cricket, the Women's World Cup as well. Plenty to sink your teeth into. And other NRL news, because of course the great game, God's game, she continues to tick. It stops for no one. And a huge call yesterday from the hierarchy, the head honchos at Manly, getting rid of the great Desi Hasler. That's some mental stuff for me. Of course, there was chat all week that something like this could be happening. They were talking about it for 2024. Unfortunately, it's happened now, effective immediately. In comes Anthony Seabold. And I really can't wrap my head around this, and it appears that off-field drama has been the end of Des. Of course, the Pride Round jersey, still plenty of controversy going on around that. Des came out and said that he thought that derailed their season and that he could be potentially looking at a lawsuit against the club. And for me, it's tough with coaches. Obviously, I think you just got to separate the politics with the footy and judge them purely on the team's results. It was really clear. The players came out and made it extremely clear that they were right behind Des. They wanted him at the helm, the club, the ownership. They've decided, up yours. We're not going to listen to you. Out with the old in with the new and I'm pretty confident Anthony Seabold probably not the man to lead them to finals footy and I think the side would have had a lot better of a record under Des and of course as a result of this Manly's two key players the kings of the peninsula Tommy Turbo Jakey Turbo they've come out and said they're not happy they want an urgent meeting and this could really set off a pretty crazy scene of events. In terms of how I see it playing out, I don't think the brothers will leave. They're manly through and through. And I can see them being one club customers. But in saying that, if one was to go, it would probably be Tommy. And I can imagine one Wayne Bennett, the old fella, he's sitting there sharpening his pencil full of lead on the blower, trying to get a hold of him and saying, Tommy Turbs, what will it take, mate? We've got 1.5 in the bank, Munster turned it down, name your price, blank check type of stuff. Let's get you to the fins, team you up with the hammer, maybe Sean Stevenson, and let you three run amok. In terms of what I would love to see, look, I think there's a real opportunity here for the Waz to come in over the top, sign all three Travojevic brothers, and then link them up with the three Barretts post-World Cup. Six siblings in the same team. Easy day for the commentators, you know, Barrett to Travojevic, back to Barrett. Good luck beating that side. That would be some incredible stuff. But yeah, rattling scenes coming out of Manly. Didn't see it escalating this quickly. Really think it's the wrong decision, but looking forward to seeing how it plays out over the weeks to come. That was Rugby League, the best game on planet Earth. Time to talk some Rugby Union, the old 15-man game, and of course the Bunnings Far Cup. She rolls on into the semi-finals, but last weekend we had the quarter-finals. Four great games of code with all of them going down to the wire. Not a lot separating these teams, and it was interesting to see the total amount of points scored really did drop down a notch. We're having about 70-odd per game in the lead-up to this. Around there, she dropped down into your 50s, so the sides came to play. We definitely had the best eight teams in the mixer, and the level of code we got dished up 
was certainly top shelf. Kicked off on the Friday night with one of the great boilovers. Controversial stuff for me. North Harbour going down to Auckland. 21 points to 18. They win the Battle of the Bridge and they live to see another week. But geez, was it tough scenes for the mighty Harbour Heat. Of course, a patriotic Heat fan myself, pretty one-eyed. But boy, I thought once we lost Gatland, that was a key turning point in this game. Add to that, Trivita Lee going off with a head knock as well. Certainly tough scenes. Auckland, of course, they bought a Kerayuani, Patrick Tupolotu back in the mixer. RTS on the wing, so they certainly had plenty of talent out there on the park. It was an interesting game for me. I thought Harbour dominated it for at least 60-odd minutes, but the scoreboard certainly didn't reflect that, and perhaps they missed a couple opportunities. But like mentioned, Gatland goes over, scores a try, and in the act of doing so, managed to really do some damage to his face. Celesi Ray Arce, Angus Tavau involved in the tackle, and it was tough to see Angus have to be carted off as well. Fingers crossed he's okay because he's had a few bad head knocks now. So hopefully nothing too serious there. But of course that meant Gatland headed into the halftime tunnel and didn't come back out, which was a huge blow for Harbour. They lost a lot of direction and certainly didn't look the same footy side, which was tough to watch. Shawnee Stevenson stepped up into the 10 jersey and did an admirable job, you have to say, including knocking over a penalty from about 85 metres. Slight GST added there, but boy, it was a big nudge and that really got the Harbour faithful up and out of their seats you love to see a big nudge off the rubber but it wasn't enough cometh the hour cometh the man Harry Plummer after missing a sitter just a few moments earlier steps up right on the 80 minute mark bangs it between the sticks probably the thickest uprights in world rugby out there at QBE Stadium and a few balls managed to clang into them as well causing chaos for the goal kickers but he sent that one over the black dot and sent Auckland through to the semi-finals and deservedly so in the end you'd have to say but what a season from Harbour never been more proud and you best believe next year we're coming for the title. Then on your Super Saturday, two other great games. Wellington in a real arm wrestle with Hawks Bay. Shot out to an early lead. Hawks Bay managed to wrangle them back in and it looked like there was potential for an upset for a little while there, but it wasn't to be. The Lions held on. Led around the park expertly by TJ Perinata and Jackson Garden Bishop. A big shift in the saddle. For those two, 28 points to 21. They continue their winning streak, carrying great momentum in to this weekend's games. Then Canterbury, they hosted Northland down there in Christchurch. And this was the one game mentioned at last week that did have blowout potential. But I did say, take Northland at the 17 and a half line because I thought that was disrespectful. And the boys from up north, the mighty Tunnifar, proved me right, pushing Canterbury to the limits. And in the end, she was close. 23 points to 16. Just a converted meat pie in it. And great to see Northland end on a bit of a high, pushing the competition front runners and summing up their season where they really did punch well above their weight. Canterbury, though, always a bloody good side. Clinical, never really looked like they were going to lose it, although a few squeaky bum moments at the end there when the Tunnifar got some hiss together. 
But in the end, the Red and Black's too strong, locking up that other home semi-final slot. Final game for your Super Sunday, and she was a bit of an upset, I guess. Waikato at home. Going down to the Bay of Plenty, of course, the Mulus, they welcome back Anton Leonard-Brown in the 12 jersey, and shit, did he not miss a beat. He looked every bit like he'd been playing for the last six or so months. Strong ball running, offloads of doom, he really is a great ball player. Every time he gets Gilbert in hand, something happened, and I really do think the All Blacks have missed him so much. Often out of sight, out of mind, and you forget about these blokes, he's going to have a massive impact to that all-black backline, but it wasn't to be. The Bay of Plenty reversing the week before's upset and squeaking home with a big win, 34 points to 27. Great stuff from them. Probably not the star-studded team that Waikato has, but shit have they got some talent. Amoni Nawara, he can light you up at the drop of the hat in that backline, and when you couple that up, with Triple T, Caleb Trask in the 9 and 10, and then a Ford pack that really does go hammer and tongs. Eklund, Mafaleo, Selby Rickett, Arkoy. They've certainly got some strong players in there, and I think they're a real puncher's chance to head down to Christchurch this weekend and perhaps do the unthinkable in many people's eyes that should be a bloody good game and hard luck to Waikato. They started the season with a hiss and a roar and for about eight weeks there they looked to be the best team in the comp. Fell away a little at the end, probably paid the price for a drop in form from some key players but a strong season nonetheless and no doubt they'll be back again next year looking for revenge. Which brings us on to this week's semi-finals footy. Just four teams left. Kicks off tonight down there in the Caketon, the Wellington line taking on Auckland. Good to see for Auckland they get Bryce Heen back. They do of course lose RTS and they lose Akira. Interesting to see Paddy Tupolotu. He's still lacing up. Of course he's part of that All Blacks 15 but everyone involved in the actual All Blacks squad will not be in the mix. So Wellington, as mentioned, they head in hot to trot. Of course, current shield holders and on a big winning streak at home. Think they'll be too good. And I just think the impact that TJ Pedernada has had on this side is huge. Of course, he's fallen out of favour in a lot of people's eyes. But I think the way he game manages, he's like another 10 out there. Really strong kicking game, great chat, cool, calm head. One of the ultimate competitors. And I think his impact on this team has been ginormous. Interesting to see as well, Jackson Garden Bashup. He's been the preferred 10 over the past couple weeks. I thought Aiden Morgan had been really good. But in saying that, JGB, he's slotted in, strong kicking game, leads them around the park. And this Wellington side, full of flair and X-factor. So that's almost all he has to do, sit in the saddle and unleash the beast. The likes of your Ruben Loves, Julian Savia. And then I've been really impressed with the number eight as well, Lakai, who I note has just signed with the Hurricanes for two years. He's definitely one to watch. Could be a future All Black, a destructive ball runner with the skill set of Doom. So I think I'll be tipping Welly in that one to head through. Your other game, Super Saturday, Canterbury taking on Bay of Plenty. Many people thinking this is going to be an easy win for the Red and Blacks. I would beg to differ. Sides haven't been named yet, but I assume both teams will be pretty similar to what they rolled out last week. And I think the Bay of Plenty will rate their chances to go down there and maybe not cause the upset, but really make it a bees dick type of game with not a lot in it and either side 
could come out on top, of course. Canterbury, they'll be heavy favourites and deservedly so. They've been miles ahead this season. Just the one loss and winning lots of games comfortably, putting on some cricket scores. But this Bayside, once they get a sniff of it, they're bloody hard to keep out of any context. they got nothing to lose. Real underdog stuff. Really looking forward to it. And of course, the MPC, the old Bunnings Far Cup, isn't the only footy in town. The Women's World Cup, well underway now. Kicked off last week with the Black Ferns putting on a show at a sold-out Eden Park which was bloody good to see. The fans that headed along, by all accounts, have said it was an amazing atmosphere, really family-friendly, and shit, did that crowd sound good, pumping through the old TV set. Fair to say the fans a little more vocal, and it just seemed like everyone was well and truly getting behind the cup which is what you want, and I have a feeling women's rugby is really going to continue to explode over the next few years. Those that went along were treated to seeing the best three teams in action, your English, your France, and of course the Ferns. All three got the wins. The Ferns, though, she was squeaky bum at the start. I tell you what, down 17-0 after 20-odd minutes, you started to think, shit, maybe we've underestimated the Wallaroos, who were playing some good footy, to be fair to them. They certainly showed up ready to pull off one of the great boilovers. But once the ladies settled in, you got the feeling the occasion might have got the better of them at the start. Once they hit their straps, she was one-way traffic, 41 unanswered points to finish the game, get the win convincingly, 41-17, to tick the box, and on to the next they move. Of course, shout out Ruby Tui, Portia Woodman, shit they were scoring meaties galore, I think they got five between the two of them. Add to that, Stacey Flula, shit she's exciting in the centre jersey, and the impact that these Sevens girls have on this team, evident for all to see. They take on Wales this weekend, Sunday Arvo, out at Truss Arena in West Auckland. No doubt there's still tickets available, so if you live in local, get out and support them. I think they should breeze past them, and they'll be looking for a really strong shift to back up last week's performance and make another statement. One thing of note as well from that Wallaroos game, we're playing an exciting brand of footy. I think we only totaled 23 kick metres, so we certainly like to keep nut in hand and chuck it around, use our skill set. It's going to be interesting to watch, though, England, France, they're playing each other this weekend, actually, on your Saturday. That's bums on seat stuff, but of course they pay that typical Northern Hemisphere code where they plug corners, use their big forward pack to rumble it up the guts, and that's the complete opposite to us. I do think we're going to have to up our kicking game. I see Dan Carter's been in the mixer working with the girls, so in the great DC we trust, but 23 total kicking metres that might not be enough against the English. So I'll be interested to see if we drop more of the seed on the boot this weekend and make a bit of a statement there to show we're not all razzle-dazzle and we can do the nitty-gritty as well. But of course, up the mighty ferns. Hopefully another 13-plusser this weekend. And on they march. And of course, speaking with footy, she was a big week as well. Off the field with the All Blacks and All Blacks 15 squads being named for the ABs. Pretty run-of-the-mill stuff, really. Not a lot of changes. Interesting to note, Braden Enor getting the nod in the back line. Not quite sure what he's done to justify that performance of late. Of course, a quality footballer in some great form. Maybe a season or two ago, he's been struggling for minutes, even at the Crusaders. So interesting to see how heavily in favour he is. 
I perhaps would have mixed it up, rolled the dice, and gone with a bit more of a bolter in that slot, but in fuzzy we trust. In terms of the All Blacks 15 though, that's where it was really interesting for me. Good to see you bring Gatlin, Mark Talia making the team, but Sean Stevenson, boy was he robbed, and of course the messages have been coming flooded through into me old Instagram DMs. We're big shooter fans here at Surly Talk Sports, and a lot of you as well, a bit bewildered by how he missed out being one of the form backs of the competition, and I certainly had him penciled in as a shoo-in for this team, and maybe that just makes that old Dolphins gig a lot more appealing. So stand by. will be interesting to see what he does there, because I don't think he could do much more to play his way into that team. And speaking of that as well, Peter Gus, so a cooler, you'd have to think he's extremely unlucky to miss out, of course. Just a couple months ago, he was in the All Black squad making his debut against the Irish. So it's been a rapid descent for him. He's certainly fallen out of favour, can't even make the second side. Don't think he's done anything to deserve that as well. So that was interesting to see. A lot of people questioning where Cullen Grace was. He's injured at the moment, so wasn't available for selection. And then on the positive side, good to see Damian McKenzie back in the crease. Also your TJ Perinata, Brad Weber in the nines. And then in the actual All Black squad, Leonard Brown strutting straight back in. He will have a massive impact, I believe. So that is also great to see. Really excited to watch these two teams head over to the Northern Tour. Of course, we'll talk about it more in the coming weeks as it gets closer. Interesting to note, Razor coaching the Barbarians up against the All Blacks 15. Does he dabble with a Sean Stevenson, Peter Gus, Tom Christie? Some of these guys who were really unlucky to miss out. Chuck them a chance. I'd love to see them go up against this side. Massive chip on shoulder stuff. That would be interesting to watch. But that's all for Rugby Union this week. Another big weekend on the footy field. Park up on the couch and rip in. Should be an absolute doozy. Weekly wrap time, and as mentioned, plenty of boxes to tick in this one. We'll kick her off with the NFL, which continues to roll on, and in doing so as well, continues to deliver with some upsets. Of course, last week, round five, some huge games in the mix of the Giants. Pulling off the win against the Packers, that was a real multi-killer for me. Tough viewing the Chargers, bet the Browns by bugger all. That was a good game. Your other big results, the Saints getting up over the Seahawks, a big win for them. The Texans beating the Jaguars at home. Another multi-killer there, of course, the Jags, they're playing some good code. The Texans really struggling. Didn't see that one coming. The Buccaneers getting the win over the Falcons. The Jets Pumping the Dolphins 40-17, to of course, no tour, no Teddy for Miami, still thought they'd be too good for the Jets, not to be. The Bills, they smoked the Steelers, Patriots smoked the Lions, Niners smoked the Panthers, Ravens bet the Bengals, Eagles remain undefeated beating the Cardinals, and the Cowboys Bet the Rams, Chiefs, bet the Raiders in a real shootout as well. So plenty going on there. And as mentioned, the Eagles, they remain the only undefeated team. They're 5-0. Jalen Hurts certainly shooting up the MVP rankings, but you'd have to think your Bills, your Chiefs, your Ravens, they'll be licking their lips, getting ready to take them on, hoping to end that unbeaten streak.
In terms of key games for this weekend, kicks off today, of course, with the Commanders taking on the Bears. Hardly prime time viewing, two sides that are struggling. And unless you're a real purist like me, you'll probably avoid tuning into that one. You'll be holding out for old Mad Monday where there are some good games. Saints hosting the Bengals, Joey Burrows. Really needs to bounce back, but New Orleans, never an easy place to go. The Ravens taking on the Giants. Giants been a real surprise package. They're at home, Ravens flying after their win last week. Lamar Jackson continuing to put in some huge performances. Packers taking on the Jets in Green Bay. They really need to get the dub there. Aaron Rodgers and co. certainly haven't lived up to expectations, so they'll be desperate to get back in the winner's circle. Colts, Jags, big game there. And then KC taking on the Bills and Eagles taking on the Cowboys. That KC Bills, that is a huge game, of course. They are division rivals in the AFC, both sitting up top, two of the best quarterbacks in the game. This is going to be a real shootout. Two sides that certainly have some bad blood for each other and a bit of a rivalry as well. So I'm really looking forward to this one. On your Monday, 9.25 a.m., on ESPN. The game is in Kansas City, so that probably gives them a slight advantage, although Josh Allen, Diggs and co, they'll have plenty of motivation to try and turn around the results from previous years, so that is going to be a heck of a game of NFL footy. Speaking of American sports as well, we'll stick with them. The NBA gets underway next week. Tips off on Wednesday with two great games. One from the East, one from the West. We have Philly taking on the Bucks in Milwaukee and then followed by the Lakers taking on Golden State in Golden State. And of course, she's been a big week for GS Dub fans, of course, defending champs. But they've had a bit of biff, a bit of drama in the camp. Draymond Green, absolutely decking Jordan Paul, hit him with the old flying fist of doom geez that video was pretty ruthless they tried to play it down say there'd been a bit of a confrontation in training but once the video leaked they certainly couldn't continue to do that it was vicious stuff and old Draymond really launched it Paul got stood down from training as a result but interesting to see he's back in the mixer now and will be available for selection so keep an eye on how that relationship progresses in the team chemistry there you see it a lot in basketball actually you hear about it anyway the old training scrap so it might not be too much of a drama but we'll soon find out come next Wednesday and really excited for the NBA to get underway she's going to be a huge year in the old best bet section coming up I'll run you through some pre-season tips for your old MVP six man etc and who I've got to win the thing and a couple outsiders but I think this year both the east and the west is going to be incredibly tight there's some stacked teams out there some deep rosters a lot of player movement so I can't wait. The old NBA, one of the great games, probably one of the most entertaining sports to watch. The Americans, they just do it so right. And I think this 22-23 season could be up there as one of the best.
Continuing to look ahead to the massive sporting week that's coming up today. The Cricket T20, she continues to march on. We're in the finals of the old Tri-Series, taking on Pakistan and Bangladesh. The old Black Caps have finally hit their straps, it appears. Finn Allen and co really hitting the old Kookaburra clean off the Rimu, sending them over the fences. The bowling unit starting to get the nut to swing, and it's resulted in a couple big wins, so hopefully, fingers crossed, they can do the same today and wrap her up in the final against Pakistan. Of course it is Tim Southey's 100th T20 game so no doubt the boys will lift for that as well. Fingers crossed they celebrate in true Caps fashion and get around him with a big shift. Post the win as well but really looking forward to this game. 3 o'clock she kicks off on Spark Sport. Again another reason to sign up and get yourself in the mixer but up the mighty caps. Nothing better than Friday Arvo 3pm. Couple beers in hand and get behind the boys. Fingers crossed, they tonk some cherries over the boundary and she's all one-way traffic. As we look to continue to build momentum, heading into that T20 World Cup, which kicks off in about 10 or so days' time. How good is this summer of cricket? And then also taking place on Sunday across the ditch, we have the old Haney versus Cambosis rematch going down at Marvel Stadium. Of course, Haney got the clear win last time up against the Aussie lad Cambosis. Been plenty of chat that he's a different fighter coming with a different game plan and he's going to look to rip shit up this weekend. I personally can't see it happening. I think Haney really was a couple levels above him and should get the dub again but it's going to be an interesting fight and certainly one to tune into. Good to see as well David Nikia on the undercard. Taking on another Kiwi top shelf scrapper as well, Titi Motusaga. So that's going to be a good dust up and it's actually live. Free to air as well on TV1 from midday. So tune in, you don't even have to pay for it. And this is a top shelf biff, so that's extremely rare. Looking forward to seeing Nick rip in. Again, think Haney will be too good, but it should be entertaining stuff. And when it doesn't cost you a penny, it's hard to say no. How good's a super Sunday and some buffs. And then finally, to wrap her up, the old weekly wrap. Touch on Bathurst, which of course went down last Sunday. That was bums on seat. She was chaos from the opening flag. Lots of crashes at first. I thought she was going to take about 24 hours to get the race completed. The old safety car copping a punishing. But in the end, the SVG, Team Red Bull, they got the job done. Old Van Gisbergen, which was huge. He wraps up the series, wins his second Bathurst, and it looks like he absolutely sent it as well. Had to leave the media session the next day to Chunda. Big shift on and off the track. Good to see Holden, of course, go out a winner. I think they're being replaced by Chevy cars next year, so sad to see that old Ford versus Holden rivalry be replaced, but good to see them go out top of the pops, and well done to the Kiwi lad. Always big fizz when someone from our home soil wins Bathurst. She's always a heck of a race, always dramatic as fuck, and this race certainly ticked all those boxes. Gonna look a little different next year, as many but it's always prime time viewing and good to see the key 
is in the way at Bathurst too. So plenty of big sporting events there to sink your teeth into. Should mention as well, up the mighty Liverpool who put Rangers to the sword in the Champions League 7-1. Hopefully we can bring some of that form across to the EPL because we've fallen off a cliff there sitting in 10th. Arsenal and City looking the teams to beat with probably City still another level ahead in my books. The amount of talent they have on that roster is fucked but up the pool 7-1 is a cricket score in football great to see and fingers crossed we can pull off the upset and beat City on Monday morning she's a tough task but shit do we need it get some much needed competition points and start climbing our way back up into the contest Surly's best bets now, of course, brought to you by the legends at the TAB. Remember, if you are having a punt this weekend, please do so responsibly, but please do so through our friends at the TAB, New Zealand's home for sport and racing punting. Get in amongst it. Nothing better than a couple cheeky wins on some ponies or some sport to fire up your weekend. And, of course, we'll kick her off with the old Rugby League World Cup. England Samoa, this is a game for me where I think some money could be made. Mentioned, I do love the Samoan squad on paper, but I think England will be too strong in this one purely because Samoa, they're hitting in fresh, no warm-up game. England, a couple games in the saddle to establish their combos, and they've got their home crowd. England, paying massive overs for me, $2.17. Samoa, clear favourites. At $1.63. The line, she's two and a half. The over under is set at 40.5. I think they'll go over that, so that's not a bad shout. But for me, the money to be made is in your winning team and margin bets. England, 1 to 12 at 330, 13 plus at 6 bucks. Samoa, 1 to 12 at 280, 13 plus at 360. I think England will do it just $220. That's some big money, and I'll be getting in on that. Another option to factor in as well is your exact winning team and margins. If you want a bit of a roughie, as tipped by Blake Ashford on the advantage line, you can go England, 11 to 20 at 8 bucks. Unfortunately, I think it could be in that range, so that's some massive money there. And then there's also good coin to be made in your anytime try scorers market. Dom Young, the big winger, as we touched on before, in good form, paying $2.00. 10. I think he'll be in the mixer. Sammy Tompkins, the English skipper, of course, ex-warrior fame, playing at the back in the one jersey, $3.10. Elliot Whitehead, $4.50. And Victor Radley, 6 bucks. Those are two forwards I like to cross. A big out for England, though, that I didn't mention. Johnny Bateman, he's not in the mixer this week. Must be struggling with an injury, of course. Teared up the NRL at the Raiders. He's a bloody good footballer, and I think England will run a lot of their attack through him. So maybe that evens her up a little. She's certainly going to be an interesting game. Over on the Samoa side for the try scorers, Brian To'o. He's the favourite to cross the chalk at $1.72. The Hammer, he's hot on on his tails at $1.91. Joseph Suali'i, $2.40. He's always good for one. And Stephen Crichton at $2.75. Gotta have him 
in your mixer as well. So plenty of good options from that game. Certainly one that will appeal to the punters. Your next game probably won't appeal as much. Australia taking on Fiji. As mentioned, the teams haven't been named, so can't go through the anytime try scorers. Although I will say, I think Josh Adokar could have a field day in this game. Put him down for two or three, and I think he should salute. Aussie clear favourites, $1.01. Fiji, 18 bucks. The line, she's a big one, 39 and a half, and the over-unders is 55 and a half. I think Aussie will clear that line. I think she could be around the old 50 to 6 type of scoreline. Think it could be a tough day at the office for the Fijians. Fingers crossed she's closer. Of course, everyone loves this Fiji side. Not many people like the Aussie side. So hopefully they can put up a fight, bring some physicality and take it to them through the middle. But I think Aussie, too much class. And if England's score last week was anything to go by, she could turn now. In terms of your other games, New Zealand taking on Lebanon. Of course, the Kiwis, $1.01 favourites. Lebanon paying 21s. The line is 41 and a half. I'm not sure if we'll cover that, to be fair. As mentioned, I think this is our hardest pool game. So maybe factor that one in. Although, of course, this Kiwi side, while not named, still stacked. So you think we'll 13 plus them. And you think we should do it in the old 30 to 40 mark at least. So maybe we do cover it gonna be interesting to see she's tough to give too many tips of course most games take place throughout the week next week but if i had to now gun to the head stuff for the rugby league world cup chucked a little multi on a little four legger that you can watch come home gone england head to head at two dollars 23 against samoa I've gone Papua New Guinea, plus 26 and a half. That line is huge for me up against Tonga. $1.87. The overs in the Australia-Fiji game of 55 and a half at $1.85. And then another game I'm interested in watching is Scotland taking on Italy. Scotland heading in favourites. Italy, though, they're a pretty handy squad, to be fair. They did name Cooper Johns, but I noticed on the old Instagram he's still in Sydney, so perhaps he didn't make the trip. Scotland with a couple of Bars in it, Ewan Aitken and Wade Egan. So I've tipped them in the 1 to 12 range, paying three bucks. There's some value in that game, especially if you like Italy, paying $3.85 head to head in the lines 12 and a half. I'm getting behind the Scots though by a bee's dick. That multi there pays $23.10. So a chance to still pick up some winnings from week one. And I will mention as well, while the teams haven't been named, I think she could be a field day for some wingers this weekend. So get in around them as your anytime try scorers, maybe even two or more, especially the key. Kiwi wingers and the Aussie wingers. And then look to your Xavier Coat and Daniel Tupo as well in that Tonga Papua New Guinea game. Should be a doozy. And of course, Domi Young, Brian Toto in your England Samoa. Plenty of talent out there and plenty of notable try scorers. So I think she could be a good weekend for the old same game multis. Heading over to the rugby, of course, Women's Rugby World Cup continues to march on. Those key games I mentioned, France taking on England. England, massive favourites, $1.09. France paying six bucks. This is disrespectful for me. France last played England only a few months ago. She was a 12-point difference in the scoreline. The English, of course, they are the favourites to win the Cup. The French, though, they're sitting pretty as third favourites. So they've been heavily 
under-backed here. France 1-12, to 12, 7 bucks, 13 plus at 8. England 1-12 to 12 at $2.80. The preferred option, England 13 plus. And the point start is 16 and a half. And I got an interesting message this morning from old Carl Tiley of the TAB, a.k.a. the Stats Man. And he said to get on the line of France plus 16 and a half. Only once in the last 11 matches between these two teams has the margin been higher than this. And that was 17 points in the 2017 World Cup. So get around that. The line, she's generous. And up the French, fingers crossed, they could pull off an upset up there at Toll Stadium in Northland. In terms of the Black Ferns, of course, they head in clear favourites as expected, paying a $1.01. Wales paying 21 of the best. Not sure on the team list again. Hasn't quite been named, but your Porsche Woodman, Ruby Tui, Stacey Flula, if they're in the mixer, chuck them down for meaties. That's probably the way to go. Black Ferns 13 plus, only a $1.03. The line is 47 and a half. So maybe some money to be had there. I do think we'll cover that. So maybe that's your option at $1.87. In terms of the Bunnings Far Cup, Wellington favourites tonight at home, $1.45 up against Auckland, $2.80. Your winning team, the margins, Wellington 1 to 12, 270, 13 plus, 260. Auckland 1 to 12, 350, 13 plus. Eight bucks. So the bookies like the Lions at home, and so do I. I'll just be tipping them in the old head to head just to play it safe. The points start, she's six and a half. So if you think Auckland could really take them down to the wire, maybe that six and a half buffer is enough to convince you at a dollar eighty-seven as well. And then in terms of some try scorers, Safawa Moa, he's been crossing the chalk. At will so far this tournament, $1.85. Have to have him in there. Julian Savia, $1.80. Also not a bad shout. And neither is Billy Proctor, I reckon, in the midfield, paying three of the best. Then for Auckland, AJ Lamb, he's the most favourite back, $1.90. Bryce Heem on the steam, fresh off a couple weeks off at $2.75. And then for Kenner, the Rhino, the hooker, $2.50. If you like them at set piece time to grab a meaty off the back of a mall, $2.50. Not a bad shout there. And some power plays that I like as well. Any two of a Suffolk Armour, Ruben Love and Brilly Proctor is any time try scorers at $4.50. I think that's good money there. Any two individual players to score a double. So two tries or more each at $6.50. And then both teams to score a point in the first 10 minutes. That's paying $3.75, of course. Could be a penalty either way or a try. So not a bad shout there. Some value to be found in those power plays. So make sure you have a look and see if anything there tickles your fancy. Then in the other semi, and this is the one I'll be going in on, Canterbury taking on... On the bay because I like the line for the Bay of Plenty. They've been given a point start of nine and a half, and I think they'll get closer than that. Canterbury, $1.33, Bay of Plenty, $3.30. Canterbury, 13 plus, the most favoured option. I wouldn't mind an upset here, and I'm quite high on it. So if you're chasing some odds, a bit of a roughie this weekend. $4.40 for the Bay of Plenty, 1 to 12, a good shout. And as mentioned, I'm in on the line of 9.5 in favour of the Bay, $1.82. Hopefully that one comes in.
American football mentioned again some huge games this week and as normal they've got the three games with the bonus back promo your winning team and margin so if you get your team right incorrect margin the TAB will refund your bet up to 50 bucks as a bonus as always they've got the Friday game in the mixer Chicago Bears taking on the commanders the Bears at home and they hit in favorites but only just and I actually like the commanders in this one in that 1 to 13 option paying $2.71 so a chance for some money there then on your Monday the Eagles Cowboys that's also under the promo of course Eagles undefeated so they go in favorite Cowboys though haven't lost with Cooper Rush at the helm will it be Dak will it be Cooper that's something to keep an eye on probably back Philly but could be tight and then the final game for the promo is your Chargers Broncos Chargers deservedly favorites as well Denver boy have they been stinking it up Russell Wilson really has been struggling to adjust Chargers 1 to 13 the most popular option at $2.46 there perhaps flutter with the 14 plus at $3.24 chase the bigger odds and if they only do it in a tight one you will get your money back in terms of an NFL multi that I've cooked up for this week put together four of the best she's returning six bucks are gone the 49ers to beat the Falcons head to head at a dollar 41 the Cowboys with a plus seven and a half start against Philly hopefully Cooper Rush plays in that I think it could be tied at a dollar 69 Chargers minus four and a half against the Broncos dollar 87 and then KC plus seven and a half against Buffalo interesting to see Buffalo head in favorites even though it's in Kansas City not a bad alternative line there seven and a half have the one touchdown in it and fingers crossed that comes in although some tight games there she's a tough round to predict this week so could go either way if you're a more casual fan maybe just go on some single games with those bonus back promos that could be the way to find some real value mentioned as well cast the eye over the NBA outrights and futures and hopefully find you some good options to ride out throughout the duration of this season first of all found a few over under winning totals that I like the look of in terms of how many games these teams will win throughout the season first of all the Boston Celtics and they're actually favorites to win the NBA heading in which is interesting for me of course a great season last year Tatum and Brown took another leap but two key factors in them getting those results were Robert Williams and the coach Ume Adoka and of course Adoka he's not in the mix this year he was caught getting around with a few of the staff members so he's been suspended and then Rob Williams he's continuing to have trouble with his knee so he's gonna miss the first few weeks of the year and that makes me nervous he really is crucial anchoring down that D and if they're gonna start Al Horford for the whole season at centre then I think they certainly take a hit although I do like the addition of Malcolm Brogdon he's a potential six man of the year candidate for me which we'll talk about soon but the over under win total has been set at 53 and a half for me that's too high I'm going unders on that at $1.85 I think the east is going to be incredibly tight and that is a big number especially considering those factors so go unders there another unders also in the east the Brooklyn Nets they've been set at 51 and a half and of course 
They have a stacked roster, but boy, can things go wrong at a rapid rate of knots for this team. Kyrie, KD, Ben Simmons, who can guarantee that any of these guys are going to be involved week in and week out? Their under is at $1.67. Snap that up. 51 wins again in a stacked East. That is not easy to do. Other teams' options I like the look of. I actually like the over on the Sacramento Kings. She's only set at 33.5, and, and I think with Sabonis there, they're going to be a lot better and a much improved season from De'Aaron Fox, and I think they should get to that number. $1.72, not a bad shout. And I also like the Phoenix Suns under. This is at 52 and a half. And for me, their offseason really has been chaotic. DeAndre Aiden mentioned he hasn't spoken to the coach. They look a bit disconnected at the moment. 52 and a half is a lot of wins. That's paying $1.85 as well. So those are the four best picks for me in the over-under markets to get around. I think she's going to be interesting. In terms of your outright winner markets, and boy, as mentioned, Boston the favourites. They're actually tied with the Bucks now, both sitting at $6. I do like Milwaukee. I think for me, they're probably the early doors favourites. I think Giannis is going to be incredibly hard to stop from winning that MVP this year. A couple roughies I like the look of though, Denver Nuggets paying $18. Interestingly, they were ranked in the top five for offense last year, and that was without having Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. in the mix for a large majority of the year. They get those two back, combo them up with the Joker, and then they've also had some good additions to their roster in the form mainly of KCP, who I think is going to be a great lockdown shooter for them. He's reliable, and he can score buckets off the back of some of those freakish joker assists and then I also think Bruce Brown is going to be a big addition for them off the Brooklyn Nets the ultimate competitor and I can see him just running the length of the floor picking up the scraps and feeding again off your jokers and your murrays so I think Denver are going to be a really good team and I think they're paying overs there at 18 bucks. I also think the Philadelphia 76ers, they're paying massive overs at 12 bucks. Joel Embiid, James Harden, the addition of PJ Tucker, they're going to be an extremely competitive team this year. It all does depend on the health of Embiid and Harden. Embiid probably more so. And again, he's another MVP candidate that I like the look of. But I think 12 bucks is good money there for Philly. And then if you want a real long shot, get on board the New Orleans Pelicans paying $51. I don't expect them to win it. I do expect them to play playoff basketball though. Of course, Zion, he's looking healthy. That's a massive if for them. But even if they lose him, you see CJ McCullum, Brandon Ingram, Jonas Valanciunas, Herb Jones, Jose Alderado. They've got plenty of good players there. And I think that they could be a real force. They went on a big run at the back end of last year they're actually paying a dollar 44 to make the playoffs which i think is a good shout so there's a couple options for you to cast your eye on there in terms of your player awards MVP heading in. Luka Doncic is the favorite at $5.50. Joel Embiid second at $6.50. And then Giannis 
at seven bucks, followed by KD, Joker, Tatum, Jamarant, Steph Curry. And it's interesting to see the back-to-back defending MVP sitting there at $9.50 in Joker. And saying that, though, I can't see them giving it to him three times in a row. They don't like doing that. So you can scratch his name out regardless of how well he plays this year. The value for me has to be Giannis at seven and Embiid at 650. If these two can stay healthy, if the Bucks and sixes are going to be as good as I think they are, then they will be right up there. $7 for Giannis is huge money for me. I just have a feeling he's going to have a chip on his shoulder type of year and will be right in the mixer. In terms of rookie of the year, Paolo Banchero, the number one pick, of course, he heads in at favorite, paying three bucks, playing for the Magic, and he is the guy that I think will win it. Jaden Ivey, he's paying fives, as is Keegan Murray and Jabari Smith, at 650, also not a bad shout. If I had to pick one though, there, I would be going on Paolo. He looks every bit the real deal for me. Defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert, of course. He's at the T Wolves now and he heads in favourite at $4.50. His name's always in the mixer, as is Bam Adebayo at seven bucks for the Heat. And then Rob Williams at eight for the Celtics. But the key one for me there is whether he can survive the season. As mentioned, already missing a few weeks. So probably you have to scratch him out because you just can't trust the rig. In terms of options paying big dollars though, and hear me out here, Ben Simmons paying $23. I think this is a decent shout. Again, massive health dependent, but if you watch the preseason games, especially the one against the Bucks yesterday, you would have seen he marked up against Giannis, did a bloody good job of it as well. And a lot of people are really harsh on Simmons. Of course, his offense isn't great, but what he does provide is elite passing, elite rebounding, and elite defending. So he ticks three big boxes, and he has the size to be able to guard the best player on the floor from the opposition team night in and night out so if his rig can hold up 23 of the best not a bad shout you'd probably get on Rudy again though and then Giannis at 950 if he's going to be MVP his D is going to have to be huge so that is a good shout as well in terms of most improved Anthony Edwards leads that market at $8.50 Tyrese Maxey at $11 expecting big minutes from him at the sixes Zion 15 bucks if he's healthy he'll be in with a shout the one I like though paying 21 bucks Jalen Brunson of course he's going to be the starting point guard and arguably the star player at the New York Knicks he's going to see a massive uptick in minutes really good for Dallas last year playing second fiddle to Luka I think this year that Knicks team will be his he'll be given the keys to the offense $21, a good shout there. I'm all in on the Brunson burner. And then sixth man of the year, the player I like the most to win that is Jordan Poole, the old Whirlpool paying five bucks. So he is the favorite. Slightly shorter odds than you'd be hoping to grab, but I think he's worth having. My long shot there, Malcolm Brogdon paying 15s. He's going to be coming off the bench for the Celtics. You could argue that he's probably their best point guard. Again, health could be an issue for him, but the production they're going to get off him, he's a strong defender, elite passer. He can score the basket, and I think he could be a real spark for the Boston Celtics off the Remu. 15 of the best too good to say no to. So those are some futures for me on the NBA. Hopefully some of those tickle your fancy. Some great opportunity to win some big coins and players paying big money for those individual awards there. 
So if you get in early, you can be rewarded. I remember I got Tyler Hero last year for around 28s, I think, for sixth man of the year before the season started. He finished up at about a dollar twenty. Won it, of course. So that was happy days for me. And they can reward your patience if you're willing to ride out the whole season. Not an easy thing to do, though. But hey sometimes the rewards can be worth it. And we'll finish off with a bit of ponies as well. She's been a long punting segment, but there's two huge races going down this weekend. Of course, Springs here, ponies are neighing, and we've got the Caulfield Cup and the Everest, two big races gearing up for the old Melbourne Cup in a few weeks' time. In terms of the two that I like in the Everest, race seven at Randwick, of course. I like Mars Crusader at 11s and 3.30 for the place. Of course, Nature Strip, she's in this and the clear favourite, deservedly so as well. J-Mac on board. I think it's at $1.90, but I do think the Crusader has the potential. Whether you go for it to win at 11s or get on it to place at 3.30, I think I'll be doing the latter, but I like the look of it, and fingers crossed it can pull off the upset. And then in the Caulfield Cup, race nine, Smoking Romans. She's your $4 favourite. Fingers crossed it can smoke them all. Piss it in and get a nice win. Nothing better than riding home a couple horses on your set Diavo. And I tell you what, she's really starting to heat up now. These two should be some doozies. And then, of course, the Melbourne Cup, only two or three weeks away. That first week of November. Can't wait for that. Always huge fizz. Right, that's all we've got time for this week. As usual, hope you enjoyed the podcast. If not, a big up yours from me. Actually, before we go, one more thing to do, and this is to reward you for sitting through an hour or so of me punishing your eardrums. I've actually got three Spark Sports subscriptions to give away today to the podcast listeners. Of course, we've done five on the social media. If you're not in the draw, not too late. Head along, Surly Talk Sports on Instagram. I think I'll draw it at about five o'clock. So get your last minute entries in. But for you podcast listeners, got to reward you. I've got three to give away. So all you got to do to get in the draw is DM Surly Talk Sports on Instagram and tell me who you think the best looking player in the Rugby League World Cup this year is. So I'm thinking your Joey Manus, your Cam Murrays, your Joseph Sualetis, but fire them through and I'll pick three winners randomly to get themselves a subscription so they can tuck into the Rugby League. And again, shout out to the legends at Spark Sport. But as usual, enjoy the weekend of sports. So much to get involved in. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then, of course, Monday morning with the great Kiwis. Hope they put a cricket score on and hope you enjoy everything this weekend has to offer. I'll see you again, same time, same place, next week. That was Silly Talk Sports. How good.